0: Hey everybody, before we dive into week number two of the series Multiply, I want to tell you next week I'll be concluding this message series with a very personal message from my heart on the subject Multiply. Then the following weekend we have the men's simulcast celebrating fight and on the weekend I'm talking directly to the men on the weekend of October 26th and 27th we're going to learn to fight like men and fight like men of God. Today, you get to hear from my good friend again, Pastor Robert Morris, the pastor of Gateway Church. His book, The Blessed Life, impacted my personal life more than I could ever describe. We believe we're gonna lead the way with irrational generosity because it's truly better to give than to receive. Could you please join me in giving Pastor Robert Morris a warm welcome to LifeChurch.tv.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be with you. I want to greet all the campuses and the network churches. We love Life Church. Life Church really is a model for churches all over America, really all over the world. And God is doing something here. And and obviously, uh, God has used Craig, but God has used all of you. He has used every one of you. Your sacrifice and your commitment to the kingdom of God. And so I just want to honor you and tell you how much we love you and appreciate you very, very much. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9 in your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to read the story of the, what, what is called uh, where Jesus feeds the multitude or the feeding of the 5,000. This is where he uses the fish and the loaves. But the title of the message today uh, is The Principles of Multiplication. The Principles of Multiplication. And I want you to think about this. The, the series is titled Multiply, right? Now, think about with your finances, and, and we're going to use some mathematical terms here. Uh, how many of you have ever seen addition with your finances? Maybe you've seen your income go up some, okay? Uh, how about this? Have you ever seen subtraction? <laughs> Division? <laughs> Would it be all right... Would it be all right with you if you saw multiplication? Okay, now let me make sure all the campuses and all the network churches, would it be all right with you if you saw multiplication, if God multiplied your finances? Obviously, we'd love for that to happen. So in this passage, there are two principles of multiplication That if we can understand these and put them into practice in our lives, I believe God can multiply our resources for the kingdom of God and even to bless our family. So Luke chapter 9, look at verse 12. Luke 9 verse 12. It says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now let me just say one thing here about Jewish culture. In Jewish culture, the way they counted crowds is they counted men. They counted, in other words, the men of a household. So when you include the the ladies and the children, uh, there were probably between 15 and 25,000 people there. Most theologians believe this is the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to. This, this crowd would be much larger than the Sermon on the Mount, although that's a, a more famous sermon and a wonderful sermon. Don't want to ditch the Sermon on the Mount. It's a great sermon, Jesus. Uh, but um, <laughs> I'm just simply saying 5,000 men, it's counting families. So there are about 5,000 families Probably in the neighborhood, again, women and children, 20,000 people, all right? So, and he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12, notice this number, baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now, personally, uh, you know, you always wonder why God does this. He knew exactly how many people were there. There were 12 baskets of leftovers taken up. My personal opinion is that Jesus wanted each disciple to have a doggy bag. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> but, okay. Here's what I love to do with the Bible. I like to put myself in the story. I like to pretend I was there that day. And think about how logistically this played out. You know, rather than just read it and then go to bed... What, what would have, if, if I were there, what happened that day, all right? So I want you to do that. I want you to pretend today, all the campuses, all the network churches, I want you to pretend, visualize in your mind, you are one of the disciples, all right? And you are on the pulpit uh, Messiah search committee. And you've got this really good candidate as, as a Messiah. As a matter of fact, uh, he's uh, walking on water, uh, he's healing the sick, raising the dead, I mean he looks like he could be the ma- Messiah, you know. And so you send out uh, uh, an email blast and a bunch of tweets, and you try to get this high attendance day. And so uh, all these people just come from all over, and you got, you know, 20,000 people there. Largest crowd you've ever had. And so you have some worship, you know, and uh, introduce, you know, the guest Messiah, you know. And uh, he gets up to speak. And let's just say it's a Sunday morning service, and, uh, you know, he gets up around 1130, 12 o'clock, he's still going. Going a little over, you know, the countdown clock's already gone down, and he's still going. One o'clock, he's still going. Two o'clock, he's still going. You've already missed the first game. (laughs) Three three o'clock, he's still going. Four o'clock five o'clock. See, I'm not exaggerating. Look at verse 12. It says, when the day began to wear away. You know what that means in the Greek? In the Greek, that means when the day began to wear away. <laughs> That's what that means. And it's getting late. And this guy just keeps goes on. Oh, no. Okay. So again, I'm just using my holy imagination here. I think the disciples formed a committee. That's what we do when we're upset about something. So you get a little group around us. So I think the disciples said, man, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, uh, uh, this guy's good, but nobody's that good. I mean, this guy is just going on and on and on. And next week, no one's going to be here, you know. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. And I forgot to set my TiVo, too. You know, I'm not, I don't know what I'm going you know? to so, uh, what? Do we, and and one, then one guy probably said, probably Peter. I relate to Peter a lot. I don't know if you, you relate to Peter. Peter was always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Do you, you remember that? Jesus comes walking on the water and says to the disciples, um, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you. You know, Jesus is thinking, I just said. it's." Okay, all right, so anyway, so I think Peter probably said something like, I'm about to starve to death. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm about to starve to death. And then one of, the, one of them said, that's it. That's it. What's it? That's what we'll tell Jesus. Let's tell him that the people are hungry. Because he, he seems to really care about the people. <laughs> he doesn't care much about us. But he cares about the people. So now let's pretend you get elected the spokesperson. All right? So I want you to see it in your mind. Jesus is up there. He's got his little podium and all. And he's speaking. And so you, you say, um, Lord, excuse me excuse me, just a minute. excuse me, uh, Lord, um, we, We've uh, it has been so good today. I'll tell you, it's just been so good. Um, and, and this this, uh, this series of messages that you're bringing all in one day, um, it's just really been good. Uh, but um, we feel like that the people might be getting hungry. And we could go all night. I'll tell you, it's just been that good, Lord. But... And so we're thinking we're outside of town. The restaurants are about to close, Lord. And we're thinking that you should go ahead and dismiss the service because the people are hungry. So Jesus says, you're you're concerned about the people. Yes, Lord, it's it's all about the people. It's all about the people, Lord. Because you think they're hungry. Yes, we think they're hungry. And then, have you ever noticed this? Look, verse 13. But he said to them, well, then you give them something to eat. Excuse me? Yeah, you, you and your little group over there, you're concerned about the people, so you give them something to eat. Okay? Now you've got to report back to the committee. <laughs> That's the hard part. So you go back over here, you know, kind of like this, and they say, Well, did you tell him the people were hungry? Yes. Yes, I told him. I said the people are hungry. I told him that right there. Well, is he going to dismiss the service? Well, what did he say? This said for us to give him something neat. What? He said for us to give him something to eat. What? There's 20,000 people here. Then there's some little kid that snuck back into town and he's walking by with a long John Silver's bag. You know, see, so grab that, give it to the kid, you know. And open it up. There's two pieces of fish and five rolls. Kid got extra rolls. And of course, you, you know what Peter did. Peter said, stop it, Peter. This is all we have. This is all we have that's it what's it let's tell him this is all we have and then he'll dismiss the service so again you're the spokesperson
0: uh
1: lord I just lord excuse me. excuse me excuse me excuse me lord you know um, a moment ago we talked and um you said uh i told you about the people being hungry and uh you said that we should we should you know give them something to eat, and we've been working on that and uh but all we have is is two fish and and five well four and a half peter ate some and i i i couldn't you know okay uh so but but that's all we have this is all we have we have two piece fish five so we're thinking our original idea is probably the best we should go ahead and and dismiss the dismiss the service uh, okay you have um uh Five pieces, well, four and a half, I I know how Peter is, uh, of of, of bread and and two fish, right? Yes, Lord, that's all we have. Yeah, that would be fine. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Excuse me? Yeah, have them sit down in groups of 50. Now, think about this part. Have you ever thought about having 20,000 people sit down in groups of 50? Now, I I don't know about you, but have you ever worked with people? I mean, people don't just do what you ask them to do, right? Without asking questions. And, and so you say, could you, could you please just sit down in, in groups of, of 50, please? And you got some guy down saying, You gonna give us something to eat? <laughs> Samuel and Rules, Pete. So uh, if you could just sit down, please, in groups of fifty. Okay, now here's what I think happened next. I think the disciples figured it out. Personally, I think they did. But I got th- I still think they got it wrong. As a matter of fact, I think what the disciples thought he was going to do is what we think that he did, which is actually not what he did. Did you get all that? Okay. I think the disciples said, you know what's going to happen? I'll bet you that when he prays over it, it's going to multiply. I'll bet that's what. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament? Well, they probably didn't say Old Testament. <laughs> you remember the story in the Scriptures that, that where Elisha Prayed and and he had twelve loaves of bread and he fed one hundred men. We have someone greater than Elisha. I'll bet when he prays over, it's going to mul- it's going to grow, multiply right in front of our eyes. And they said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I think Peter probably said, Give me one of those rolls here, Lord. Here, pray, pray over mine first, Lord. Pray over mine. Watch John. Watch. Just watch. Just watch. Here, pray over mine, Lord. Okay. But listen, what happened? Verse sixteen says, Then he blessed them and broke. Them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So here's what actually happened. He takes this piece of bread from Peter, he takes it like this, he lifts it up to heaven, and he says, Father, bless it. And he breaks it and gives half of it back to Peter. Uh, Are you through praying? (laughs) Yes, Peter, it's blessed. Now go give it away. Did you want to pray some more? No, Peter, and, and by the way, listen to this. It's blessed. Now give it away. Here's my personal opinion. I think Peter went up to the first person and said something like this. Take just a little piece. (laughs) What would you have said? (laughs) So he goes down the row. Take a little piece. Take a little piece. I said a little piece, you pig. (laughs) What's wrong with you? So he goes down. He gets down to the end of the row. There's a piece about that size, and right before the guy grabs the last piece, listen to me, it grows. In Peter's hands. You have to catch this. The miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. And there are two principles of multiplication. Here they are, real simple. Number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. Now, you just think about what if they had uh, taken the fish and the loaves and given it away without Jesus blessing it. Never one multiplied. The reason it multiplied was because Jesus blessed it. Listen, Hebrews says, Hebrews 7 says, you've got to catch this. This is New Testament. I know we've talked about giving the first to God. You've got to catch this. Hebrews says that when we tithe, Jesus himself receives our tithes and blesses them. Jesus does. It's the same as taking the fish and the loaves, and no matter how small it is, I'm telling you with the blessing of Jesus on it, it can multiply. But without the blessing of Jesus... It can never multiply. So you have to understand that, all right? So that's the first principle. And we really covered about giving it first to God in the message, God must be first, all right? So I want to go to the second principle. Here's the second principle. It has to be given away to multiply. It has to be given away to multiply. All right, again, think about this. What if the disciples took the bread and the fish to Jesus and he blessed it, now listen, and then they ate it? Never would have multiplied they had to give it away. Do you understand? There are people who tithe and give the first to God, but they don't give over and above the tithe. They don't give over and above. In essence, they're eating what's blessed. It's blessed because they gave the first to God, but they don't give over and above, so it never multiplies. I know people that want their finances to multiply, but they won't give the first to God, but they'll give here and there. Their finances will never multiply because it's not blessed. And then I know other people who give the first to God, but they don't give over and above. Their finances will never multiply because it has the potential to multiply, but it doesn't multiply until you give over and above. Now, my wife and I learned this years ago. Um, uh, I got saved. I told you I got saved in Jake's Motel, room 12. And um, uh, I I remember I started going to church. And I remember the first time I went to church where they preached on tithing, giving 10%, the first 10% to God. And the first time I heard it, I gave a tithe. I gave 10%. My wife and I, I got saved in 1983, February 16, 1983. And uh, my wife and I together combined income. We were making $600 a month. By the way, she was making $400. I was making $200. I just want you to know how gifted I am. That's how gifted I am without Jesus, by the way. So we're making $600 a month. I go to church. He preaches on tithing. And so I give $60. The next day, my boss calls me in and says, I'm going to give you a $200 a month raise. Doubled my income the next day. And I remember him saying this to me. Here's what he said. He said to me, and I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> so God began to bless. We saw all of a sudden God blessing our finances because we begin to tithe. And then God began to speak to me, I want you to get your finances in order. Well, this was a few years now into my Christian walk, and I had started speaking at youth meetings. I was doing youth revivals and things like that and uh, sharing my testimony and things. And so the Lord said, I want you to get your finances in order. And so I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, number one, get out of debt. You know you can't give what doesn't belong to you. And so he said, I want you to get out of debt. And I remember the biggest debt we had, and we had other debt, but the biggest debt was we had this big, nice car. And we shouldn't have bought it, and, you know, we just did it. And it was a big payment. Actually, it was more than our rent. That's how big it was. It was just foolish. And the Lord said, sell that car and buy a car for cash. And I said, Lord, we won't have hardly anything left over because we owe so much on it. And uh, he said, just whatever you have left over, you, I'll, I'll provide a car. We had $750 left over. So we bought a a car for $750, a 1973 Ford station wagon with 130,000 miles on it. But we loved that car. We really did because we knew we were in the middle of God's will, finally in our finances. And by the way, that's the best feeling in the world. It's the best feeling in the world. And so we loved that car. We prayed over it. We anointed it with oil about a quarter week. (laughs) And we drove that car. Second thing the Lord told me to do, he said, don't manipulate. And I said, well, what do you mean don't manipulate? He said, I want you to learn that I'm your source. And so at that time, now this is several years into my Christian walk, uh, I would travel and speak in churches. And that was our income. Churches would give love offerings. Some gave like offerings. (laughs) Some gave uh, don't like offerings, don't come back, you know. But anyway, and, and so it was customary when someone would say, well, you come and speak to say, yes, pay my expenses and take up a love offering. And to me, that was actually very good because others would say, and you have to give at least so much. I have to have a minimum of. And I had never said that. But I said, well, Lord, I don't, I don't think I do manipulate. He said, from now on, you say I have no financial um, uh, requirements. I said, Okay. So a pastor would call and he said, I want you to come preach. And uh, he said, say, after a while, we'd get the date. And he'd say, what are your financial requirements? Say, I said, I have no financial requirements. And they, pastors couldn't understand. Nobody had ever said that to them. They said, what do you mean you have no financial requirements? Say, I said, no, I have no financial requirements. <laughs> they said, well, we need to give you a love offering, don't we? And I'd say, no. They said, well, we need to pay your expenses, don't we? And I said, no. And they'd say, well, how will you live? And uh, and then this one guy, he said to me, he, I remember he said this, he said, are you independently wealthy? <laughs> and I said, no, but my dad is. And not my earthly dad. And so this one guy, he just couldn't get it. He said, well, how are you going to live? how are you going to live? If we? He said, if you come to our church and we don't give you an offering, how are you going to live? And I, I remember I said to him, and I, it came out wrong. It really did. I meant it right. I really did. I said, if I come to your church and preach and you don't give me an offering, I said, God will take care of me and he'll take care of you. And he said, well, we'll give you an offering. I said, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I, I meant that, that that God will provide for me and he'll provide for you. And so anyway, we, we just began doing that. And then the third thing he said to me was begin to give. And I said, Lord, I do give. I give He said, no, that's not giving. That's returning because the tithe belongs to me. That's That's not giving. That's returning. And I said, well, what do you mean give? He said, I want you to give over and above. When I speak to you, I want you to give over and above. And so Debbie and I started giving, and we started giving over and above. And God would speak to us, and we would give. And God would speak something else, and we would give. And God began to just change our lives. And then the Lord took us to another level of giving, and that was to give extravagantly. Uh, I went to this church to preach. There were about 60 people. And it was a Sunday night, and it was the only meeting I had for the whole month, only meeting for the whole month, okay? And there's only 60 people there. And uh, so I went to preach. I said, I have no financial requirements. The pastor said, I want us to give a love offering. I, I, he said, no financial, but I want us to give, you know. And uh, so anyway, the pastor comes to me afterwards, and he said, look at this. He said, look at this. He said, it's amazing. We've never given this big of an offering before. He was excited. He had a giving heart. And he said, look at this. And he showed it to me, and it was enough for the whole month, for the whole month. And I remember thinking, God, you're so good. Lord, you're so good. And then while he's talking, we're standing at the front of the church, and the pastor's talking to me, but he's standing right here. I look over his shoulder, and there's this missionary in the back that had spoken right before I spoke. And and this voice said to me, give him the love offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> Get behind me. That's not, that's not God. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. You know how to know it, it's not God, if it doesn't make sense. A lot of things he says don't make sense. So I, I said, God, that, I remember saying to him, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. <laughs> he said, give him the law Give him the offering. Give him the offering. Give him the offering. Give him the offering. So after I finished talking to the pastor, I went back and I endorsed the check. I folded it in half. I said, I'm going to give you something on two conditions. Number one, you never tell anyone that I gave this to you because the Lord had taught me about manipulation. Number two, I said to him, don't open it until you leave because it's a very large amount, especially to to a missionary. And uh, so anyway, we go out to eat after the service. And there were uh, six couples, including my wife and me. And so there's six of us. And the guy sat on one end of the table that night, the girl sat on the other just to talk, you know. And we were at a pizza place, I remember that. And all of a sudden, these four guys started talking, and the guy right across from me just kind of leans across the table like that. So, you know, I just kind of lean. I didn't know what was about to happen, but, you know, I lean in like this. And he said to me, How much was the love offering? Just like that. And so I told him, I just told him the amount. And then he said to me, Where's the check? like that. And I, I know you're supposed to tell the truth. I understand. In integrity, I didn't want anyone to know what I'd done because God had so dealt with me. And so I, I, j- I said to him, Debbie has it. <laughs> Debbie's my wife. And so I said, Deb- Debbie has it. and He said, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I got up, and I walked down to where my wife was. She was at the other end of the table, and I leaned down to her, and I said, how's your pizza? Good. Okay, praise the Lord. So what else do you say? I said, there's no check. So, so I came back, and I, again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't, but I just didn't know. And, I put on, and I'm thinking, well, who is this guy? And what is he? You know, why is he asking me, you know, about my salary? And, you know, and so and I couldn't think, and so I, I said, it's in the car. <laughs> and he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? (laughs) I mean, you know so much, pal, so you know. And he said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. I gave it away. I said, how did you know that? And he said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to church that night. And he opened it up, and it was made out to our ministry, and he held it out, and it was exactly ten times the amount of the check I'd just given away. Exactly. Almost a year's income. And he held it out like this, and he's holding the top, and I reached out and took the bottom, but he wouldn't let it go. (laughs) And I realized he wanted to say something, so I'm holding the bottom of the check, and he's holding the top of the check, and I looked across the top of this check into his eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ, and he let the check go, and God started teaching, and Debbie and I started giving extravagantly. There was a guy that we heard about who was out of work, and this was back in the mid-80s, and the Lord said to me, I want you to pay his salary until he gets another job. I said, Lord, he makes $3,000 a month, you want me to give him $3,000 a month? And the Lord said, No, at his new job, he's going to make 4000 a month. I want you to give him $4,000. And then the Lord kind of called me. He said, And it's only going to be one month. So he said, You just tell him that in one month, he'll get a new job making 4000 So we gave $4,000. Then God started speaking to us about giving vehicles away. And we would give a car and another car. God would, someone would give a car. We never sent a mailing list. We never told anyone what we were doing. We did it all in private. We would give thousands of dollars away. People would give thousands of dollars to us without ever. People would come up in restaurants and say, "God told me to give you this and give me a ten thousand dollar check," and ask me what my name was to give it to me. <laughs> we every time we gave, we could not outgive God. We would give, God would give. We would give, God would give. We went to uh, uh, Costa Rica on a mission trip, and. Uh, The the Lord told me, sell my van for $12,000. And right before we left, and I sold my van, I had $12,000. I went down there, the missionary picked me up. We're driving, you've probably been a missionary, you know, we're driving this missionary vehicle. Exhaust is coming up through the floor. We're about to be (laughs) asphyxiated, you know. And I said to this missionary, why don't you get your new van? He said, I'm about to. God showed me a van last week, told me he's going to give it to me. I said, how much is it? $12,000. I said, let's go get the van. Listen to me, this is fun. I've been living this life for 25 years. This is fun. And then one day I'm sitting in my chair. I'm having my quiet time. And just like that, the Lord said to me, would you give me everything? Would you give me everything? And I knew he meant two cars. We had both two cars that time. All of our income, all checking, all savings, all retirement, And our house. And I can't tell you the joy that flooded my soul. Because I said, Lord, thank you. Uh, How many people do you ask for this? Thank you. I'm going to get to do it. Yes, Lord. I said, I would love to give you everything. You gave me everything? I'd love to give you everything. So Lord showed us where to give the cars, where to give the um, um, house. We gave it to a pastor that had five children, didn't have a house. Where to give the money, we gave it all away. And the next day I was thinking about, I was adding it up in my mind how much we we gave. And I remember the Lord said to me, What are you doing? I said, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, No, what are you doing? I said, Well, God, I I said, actually, I said, I just don't want to tell you. He said, No, tell me what you're doing. I said, Well, I said, you know that old saying, you can't outgive God? He said, I've heard that. <laughs> I said, Well. I think I did. I said, now, don't be embarrassed because, you know, you, you've blessed me and all. And that's fine. But I said, you know, two cars and a house and all the money we had. I said, this time, and I don't know why I said this, but I said, this time, I think I got you. And the Lord said, you think you got me? Just like that. And the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. And the guy on the other end of the phone said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. And I thought, he's going to give us a car. But then I thought, I really did, I thought, I still got you. Even if he gives a car, I just gave away two and a house and all that. And at that time, we'd given nine cars away. I said, I I still got you. But thanks for the car because I don't have one. But, you know, I still got you. So I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? The guy said, he told me to buy you an airplane and I'm going to pay for the maintenance and the fuel and the insurance and the hangar. and I've hired a pilot, and I'm going to pay his salary, and here's his name and his number, and you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go, and the Lord said, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. Now, listen to me, though. This is not about giving you an airplane, okay? Okay? I, I don't have an airplane, by the way. We gave the airplane away. I gave it away. That's not what this is about. I drove up here to, to speak today to you. Okay, I don't have an airplane. Okay. The next day is, is what's important. The next day I'm sitting in my chair, and the Lord, uh, I'm reading the quiet time, and I'm reading about Solomon. You remember what God asked Solomon, what God said to Solomon in a dream? Ask anything you want. You remember that? What an amazing thing for God to say, ask anything you want. I'll give it to you. And I thought to myself, it was at night that the Lord said that. I thought, what happened that day? I mean, did something, you know, precipitate this, you know? And so I went back and looked. And do you know what happened that day? Solomon was inaugurated the king of Israel that day. It was tradition for the king to give one bull, sacrifice one bull. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? One thousand bulls. And I thought, wow, what an extravagant gift even for a king. And the Lord said to me, I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. He said, I would never say that to a selfish person because I can't trust selfish people. And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing. I wasn't even thinking that we had just given everything. And just like that, the Holy Spirit said to me, ask Ask anything you want. And I knew immediately what I wanted because I came from a pretty rough background. I said, God, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love all the days of our lives. That's what I want. I don't want to lose my marriage. And the Lord said, you got it. And this past May, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. That's better than an airplane. That's better than an airplane. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just, again, ask God, God, what are you saying to me through this message? Lord, what are you saying to me? For some of you, God is speaking to you about tithing, about giving the first to God so that the rest could be blessed because your finances will never multiply if Jesus doesn't bless them. And for some of you, God is speaking to you about giving over and above the tithe. Dealing with selfishness and greed, putting a generous heart in you, making you a generous person, and giving, even giving extravagantly. I would like to challenge some of you before the end of the year to give an extravagant gift to the church, not to some organization, but to life church. An extravagant gift. I'd like to challenge you to set your to say, I am going to tithe. I'm going to begin tithing right now. I'm going to trust God in this area. But ask the Holy Spirit. I promise you, I believe many of you, many of you need to give an extravagant gift to the church before the end of the year. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray that you will bless my brothers and my sisters. God, I pray that you will bless us so we can be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: As you continue in an attitude of prayer, let's just be sensitive to what God wants to say to us. In fact, as Pastor Robert said, God may speak to some of you to give a significant gift. More than anything else, what we want to do is we want to become generous in every way because giving is not just what we do, but generous is who we are. We reflect the heart of God who gave the most generous gift ever when he gave his own son, Jesus. So let me just pray for you and then we'll seek God more together. God, I pray that you would minister to our hearts, God, that you would give us the faith, not just to be tithers, but yes, we'll trust you with our first and our best and believe, God, that you will bless the rest. But God, I pray that even as you multiply what we give, that we wouldn't see all the blessings to be just for us, that we wouldn't just increase our standard of living God, that we would increase our standard of giving, honoring you, being faithful with all the different ways that you bless us. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I know that some of you, you're being drawn to God right now. And you wonder, why is that? Well, that's because the Holy Spirit does a work that he draws us to God. In fact, God gave first. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus, who was without sin, and anyone who calls on him would be saved. There are those of you right now that you may feel like, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm feeling drawn to God, but I'm not good enough. And the reality is, you're not good enough, and neither am I, because our sin separates us from God. But because of what God did for us through Jesus, our sins can be forgiven. At all of our churches, there are those of you that it's time for you to turn from your sins and turn toward God and say, I just surrender. I give you my whole life. In fact, many of you, that's why you're here today. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, yes, God gave to me, and now my only reasonable response is to give him my life. Jesus, I call on you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands right now? Just lift them up and say, yes, I give my life completely to you. Church Online, you click right below me. And together, let's all pray this prayer aloud. Just pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me, and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, amen.